Well, way to go, Faith Promise. Over a million dollars. Man. Man. Did you ever, could you ever years ago imagine you'd be going to a church that would give a million dollar offering in one weekend? I remember years ago when I was a senior pastor of First Church, Michelle and I came to, we didn't take a million dollars up, I don't, I mean, in years. Years, much less one fail swoop. And so you guys did so great. It is awesome. Last year we had about 800 families, about 830 families participated. This year, 1,150 families participated, almost 50% increase. And so, man, I just, I just couldn't be more thrilled. Thanksgiving morning, I was uh, in my garage, my you know office at home, frying turkeys. So I was doing so many things I love. I was frying turkeys and spending time with the Lord, and and I was just making my Thanksgiving list. One of the things I do try to get for anybody on Thanksgiving Day, and I was writing. And this year, I divided out in sections: spiritual, emotional, relational, ministerial. And I just, I just want to say, man, as your pastor, I am so grateful to be at a church where people sacrifice and give and move. We're all about the next step for the, all of us take, moving one step in our spiritual walk, in our walk of faith, in our walk of ministry, in our walk of giving, in our walk of serving. And so it's just great. I'm just so grateful. Michelle and I, all of our staff, we are so grateful. And so whatever campus that you're worshiping at this weekend, thank you guys, every campus, Blunt and North and Anderson and Campbell and UT downtown and our internet campus, our Pellissippi campus, uh, North Knox, every campus, man, thank you guys. It just was a miracle. And, you know, you ought to tell some people this week, hey, you just can't believe what our church did. We gave the Lord a million dollars in a weekend. That's a cool deal, isn't it? I mean, give, 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 give yourself a hand one more time. Way to go. Well, Shell and I were on a mission trip last week, and Josh, Pastor Josh did a great job in preaching and talking about Thanksgiving, and didn't he do a great job in that work? Man, it was awesome. And so it, it was great, and let me just be one of the first to wish you a very Merry Christmas. It's three weeks away, by the way. The ladies begin to moan and groan, and yeah, it, I mean, can you have three weeks? It, it was, you know, Thanksgiving was a couple days ago, and now it is... Christmas is three weeks away, and, and I love Christmas. I love the season. I love everything about it. Let me ask, anybody have a good Thanksgiving? Any campus? Man, anybody have a great Thanksgiving? Man, we're, we are a blessed bunch of people. There's no question about it. We are just hyper-blessed with all that God has done. And so, man, we just, I love you and and thankful for all that God is doing. And now we enter what I call just one of the greatest seasons of the year. I love the Christmas season. And there are a lot of reasons why I love the Christmas season. And the absolute number one reason is because of the celebration, celebration of the incarnation. Because that's what Christmas is all about. It is the celebration of the invasion of God on planet Earth, God's rescue mission to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, the world can try to mask it. They can mask it with Santa Claus. They can mask it with Happy Holidays. They can mask it any way they want to spin it and twist it and turn it. But listen, you can't change history. And 21 centuries ago, in a little town called Bethlehem, Jesus was born. And there's no way around it. And so I love the season 
Because, again, it's just when we get this, there's the celebration of God's invasion. Of Emmanuel, the scripture says, God with us. And it's sad that the world misses the reason about the season. Now, I was thinking about the world missing Christmas, and they think it's about so many things, and they build all of this up. But see, they can't. there's no celebration of the Incarnation because they've not had a revelation about the Incarnation. And if there's no revelation personal about the Incarnation that God dwelt among us in the form of His Son, then there is no celebration of the invasion. Does that make sense? See, you have to have a revelation that Jesus really did come and He really did uh, die on a cross and He really did come out of the grave the third day and we get to celebrate Him coming. Now, just like Thanksgiving is not about turkey, Christmas is not about presents. Would you all agree with that? At the heart, at the core, we people of faith, and um, there's nothing wrong with giving presents, all stuff, don't get, don't get freaked out. But, it, but you know, you can, have, you can have Thanksgiving and not have a turkey. Are you with me? You can, and you can celebrate Christmas and not give or receive a present because Christmas is about the present and the presence of God with us. Amen? That's what it's all about. You can be thankful eating beanie weenies. It'll be hard, but you could. I mean, you can, you, you can, you can be thankful. It's not about what's on the table. It's about what's in your heart. Now, we live in a, we live in a, in a, in a day and time where Hollywood and Wall Street have capitalized on our day. Isn't that right? See, Christmas is the day for Christ followers. We celebrate that was the day that he came. See, you can, you know, again, you can celebrate Christmas and have no money. I know people don't believe that, but you can. And so we're watching Wall Street and Hollywood capitalize on the Christmas season. As Christ followers, let's capitalize on the Christmas season. Remember that the Christmas season is a great season to invite your friends to church. Amen. People are more open at this time. It's a great season to share Jesus at every campus. I want to really challenge you to take these invite cards of Angels Anonymous. It's another Faith Promise original. It'll be in two weekends at, at the 13th, 14th, and 15th at Pellissippi, some campuses 14th and 15th, and some campuses on the 15th. But well, I don't know how many services we'll have, but there are invite cards at every campus, and, and you can pick these up, and it, it tells all the times for all the campuses. I want, you to, I want to challenge you. You know, man, well, all we've heard about is Black Friday, and we've seen all the, the, the You know, I hated it that the stores were open on Thanksgiving. And those people had to work. I hated that. I, I don't know about you. That just bugged me. People ought to not be out on. It's a holiday. They ought to be with their families. But they weren't. They were out there. Why? Because they're selling more stuff. They were open all day Thursday, all night Thursday night, all day Friday. And, and, and people working around the clock. Why? To sell stuff. And why are they selling so much stuff? Because they're hawking it on Christmas. They're telling everybody, you got to come by, and they're selling billions of dollars worth of merchandise for Christmas. And so let's, uh, let's, let's learn something from the world, and let's capitalize. Let's invite our friends. Let's watch people get saved. Let's watch people get transformed. Let's let, let people watch people get the revelation of the incarnation. Let's watch people catch the real, true spirit of Christmas, which is about catching the spirit of the living God in your heart and life. Amen? And so let's capitalize on that, man. Let's invite. Let's share. Let's, let's use it as a church. Now, I love the celebration. 
See, because when we enter this season, you know, Thanksgiving's over, we enter this season, it's a great season of recalibration. If you're a Christ follower at any campus, anybody Christ follower, anywhere this weekend, all right. And man, we know that the world's a magnet, it's drawing us, it's pulling us, it's always trying to suck us off course. And so Christmas is, we get to refocus, we get to recalibrate, we get to get back on the right track. We think about what happened in Bethlehem and what happened in heaven and how God sent his son. And we get to, we get to experience the greatest gift ever given. And so you can have a wonderful Christmas and not give or receive a gift. And that one of the great songs that we're hymns we're going to talk about in this series, we've entitled this series, Oh Come Let Us Adore Him. Oh come, let us adore him. From the from the song, Oh Come, all ye what? All ye what? Come, all ye faithful. Come let us what? Let us what? Let us adore who? Who? Because he is Christ the what? The Lord. It's a wonderful song. We're going to talk about that. Now, the song is not our text. The song is just something we're going to use to dive into the text. As we, as we enter the Advent season, we're going to use this hymn. You know, again, it, we're, not going to, we're, we're, we're going to use it just as a creative way to dive into the Word. And, and it's a, it really is a, it's a great song. It's a great hymn. And I would challenge you in the next couple of weeks to, you know, to just use it. Now, I did try to do a little bit of research, and there's really not much known about who wrote, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Matter of fact, some people say it was written in the 17th century. Some people say it goes back as far as the 1300s, and an unknown monk wrote it originally as a poem. We really don't know where it came from, but it is a biblical masterpiece and gives us an opportunity, again, to the celebration of the season. And so it's, again, I want to challenge you to meditate on it. Next weekend, we're going to dive off verses two and stanzas, two and three, because it's not, you know, again, the song is, is, is not inspired like the Word of God is, but it's a great way to worship. So uh, the, first, the, the, the first verse or stanza says this, O come all ye joyful and O come ye, O come ye to, born the king of, the word, I, there's something wrong technically at Pellissippi this weekend, there, there really is, they're working on something before the service, come and behold him, born the king of angels, it's coming, I, I have to sing it, so let's sing it, will y'all help me, I'm a preacher. That means by nature, I'm not a singer. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come. Come, let us, oh, come, come. 
a great song. Give yourselves a hand. Come on, every campus. Ready to go, guys. Way to go. And I was thinking, actually, I was on the airplane. Michelle and I have been on a mission trip, and, and I was thinking about this weekend and thinking about this series. And a mega major mark of those of us that are faithful. And then the song says, Oh, come all ye faithful. And a major mark of the faithful is those of us that gather for worship. See, gathering for our God is something that happens from, from uh, Genesis all the way to the book of the Revelation. And so gathering for God, for worship, for celebration, for the Word of God, for exaltation, for, you know, all that stuff, then that is, that is just a mark of one of the things that the faithful do. Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling together. Now, we're going to talk about worship in this series, but biblical worship is far more than one hour a week. Would y'all agree with that? It's 24-7. It's Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. See, giving ourselves to God, serving God, loving God, singing to God, praising God, all that rolls up into giving our lives, laying our lives on the altar every day as a living sacrifice. See, God gave his son for us and those of us that know him. We give our lives back to God, don't we? You are not your own, the Bible says. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. And so the song says, oh, come, oh, come, oh, come. See, that's about gathering for this great celebration. Why? Why? So that we can adore him. The faithful adore God. Would y'all agree with that? The faithful adore him. Now, I was thinking about people all over the world and how people see Jesus right now. You know, some people still think of Jesus as the baby in the manger. Some people, millions around the world, go to a church, go to churches where in the center of the of the podium is a cross, and Jesus is still on it. Have y'all seen that? So some people see him in a manger. Some people see him hanging on a cross. But the bulk of humanity still sees him in a grave. And then there are millions who don't see him at all. But the faithful, those that are born again, the faithful, oh, come, all ye faithful, those of us who love him, we come and we adore him. We realize we, we worship him because he has existed forever in eternity. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was there at creation. He'll be there. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. He ruled at creation. He was there before there was anything and he'll be there after. There is nothing. He always has been, always will be Lord, king, master, ruler. And he is so worthy of our celebration and our worship because he is glorious and he is holy and he is high and he is powerful and worthy of lavish, lavish adoration. Come let us adore him. See, we don't worship him just because he came in the form of a baby in a manger in Bethlehem stable so long ago. We worship him for who he is. Now, let me tell you how we need to worship him. Again, we're just, we're, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about the song that, that we all sang. We're going to sing again, and we'll sing over the next, you know, the next several weeks getting ready for Christmas. But that is, that is come, let it come, joyful, and, and what? 
joyful and triumphant. Let me ask you, do you think most people come to church joyful and triumphant? No. But when we come to worship God, see, we should, we should come joyful and triumphant. When we enter the Advent season, the celebration of the Christ of Christ's coming, we ought to come joyful and triumphant, but so many don't. And do you know why? Even many believers don't, because they don't have any money to buy enough presents. And because they think there's a certain amount of things that you have to do at Christmas, and because they can't afford that, that this Christmas, they've lost the celebration. Maybe, maybe there's been a, a layoff in the home. Maybe, you know, there are a lot of things that happen in people's lives that are negative. Maybe your family's split up. Maybe you're a single adult and you just loathe the idea of spending another Christmas alone. I, I remember being single and going to church and loving the fellowship and then going home alone. It's sort of a, a it, it's, it, it can be a real bummer. And so if we're not careful, our celebration will be limited to our circumstances. Does that make sense? And listen, how, how low a view of God that we allow all these things to block our, to block our worship, to hinder us, to, to hinder us. Again, because Christmas is more than giving presents and unwrapping. It, it, you know, when the faithful come joyful and triumphant, we come to adore him, we come to worship him. How can we faithful worship and adore God when the bottom has fallen out? When the future looks bleak, when there's cancer, when there's divorce, when there's death or depression, or when the enemy has launched attack at us, how can we still celebrate and adore him when the circumstances are caustic? We can because we have beheld him. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. See, when you have beheld the glory of God, when you have beheld the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy and the power of the resurrected Lord, when you, when you get taste and see that the Lord is good, when you begin to experience God at the level of just you and him or, or in a corporate gathering like this or whatever campus you're at, when you begin to behold his glory, then you can worship no matter what's going on. Then you can raise your hands when all hell is breaking loose. I was at the hospital last night with two ladies who are who are active participants, who are coaches and small group leaders and, and so active. And their mother, who's also part of this congregation, is dying. And the doctor said she's going to die in just a couple of days. And I sat by that hospital bed, Michelle and I did last night, and prayed with that sweet saying and, and told her, it's going to be okay. Where you're going is better than where we are. And the, 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 her daughters were crying, and, and I was just trying to encourage her, and, and we were praying for her and just had just a little time there of worshiping in the hospital room. See, when you beheld God's glory, you can worship when there's no presence under the tree. You can worship when the doctor gives you bad news. You can worship when all hell's breaking loose. You can worship. Why? Because we have beheld him born, the king of angels. <laughs> Woo, man. Woo. Now the song says born, but he's always been, isn't he? From eternity past to eternity future, he has always been, always will be. See, the, the song says, come to Bethlehem. Why do we still sing that? Because Bethlehem's far away, and it's over, and it's done. So why do we need to think about coming to Bethlehem as we enter this season? Well, I tell you, in, in Micah 
not my son Micah, but the prophet Micah. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says this, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, too little to be among the clans of Judah, for from you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. See, that, that, again, it's prophecy about Jesus. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. See, the prophet said in Bethlehem of Judea, a little town out there, when Jesus was born, it probably wasn't a city block long, probably wasn't more than five buildings. This little bitty shepherding town was born the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we go to Bethlehem because we remember the prophecies that Jesus was going to come. And again, it says, his goings forth are from eternity past. He always has been. He always will be. When we begin to realize and see that Jesus left heaven and he came, he left the glories and the splendor and the majesty to be born in a virgin, to be, to, to be born in a stable and live among us, we begin to realize in the midst of this, this hellacious world, in the midst of cosmic circumstances, in the midst of difficulty of business and economics and all that's going on, God loved us enough that he came for us. And when we behold him, we can worship. When we get it, we can worship no matter what's going on. Matthew chapter 2 says this, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born to Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king Magi from the east arrived to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You know, it's amazing how some people are open and some people are not. They saw a star. They've been traveling. When Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, gathering together the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet in you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, and out of you shall come forth the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them exact time the star appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may come and what? Worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until he came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasuries, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country another way. When you bowed to worship the king, you never leave the same way you came. When you have had this revelation of the incarnation, you never walked the way that you did before. And so what we want to do in, in this series that we've entitled you know, you know, come let us adore him, is prepare our hearts for the celebration. Is, is to get ready to, to experience him this Christmas and to share him this Christmas. I love after, I love the chorus, three times, oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. The word adore means to worship, to express reverence or homage. 
biblical illustrations are to take your shoes off, the way Moses did when he was in the presence of God. Y'all remember that? Also, we, we see all through where another expression of worship is to, is to prostrate, prost, to lay down before God, <laughs> you know, on your face to, to, to do whatever that P word is, because I'll say it wrong and you'll laugh because I never get it right. In Psalms 2, it says that we are to kiss the sun. There's so many expressions of adoration. There's so many ways that we, that we worship, that we experience God, that we celebrate, that we do homage, that we honor, that we, that, we get, that we get on our knees before God, that we love Him and give to Him and serve Him. But sadly, this is what really gets me most, is the saints, the born-again believers who've had a revelation of the Incarnation, but still because of circumstances, will miss Christmas. They won't miss the day, but they'll miss the celebration. Again, because of being alone or so many other reasons. Hard to worship when your family's falling apart. There are a lot of things that the world or the devil or the flesh will use to block our view of the celebration. There are a lot of things that, that enter into our lives that hinder our worship. Does God deserve our worship? And yet all of us experience seasons and times that our worship is hindered. Maybe there's somebody you'd love to see this Christmas, but unless God does a miracle, you won't get to see them. I don't know what's going on in your life. But we want to prepare our hearts. If at every campus the bands would begin making your way back to all of our platforms at every campus bands, and if you guys would begin making your way back out and our campus pastors uh, would begin to make their way down front. We're going to do two things. We're going we're gonna to open up the altar for pray, to, to pray for people who are struggling in the celebration because of circumstances in your life. There are things in your life, again, like we talked about, that are hindering your worship, that are stopping you from getting to experience God. And so if you got campus guys, if you guys just come on up, because I want people to see where you are. At every campus, come on up. Because uh, And, and I, if, if some of you guys on our prayer team want to make your way up to, 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 the, to the altars. Because in just a minute, we're also going to take the Lord's Supper. We're talking about his birth, and we're talking about his death in one time. And we're going to prepare ourselves to take the Lord's Supper to end this in the time when people begin to move toward the table of the Lord at your campus I want, to, I want to just really encourage you that if you know this Christmas is going to be a struggle, I want to tell you something, we love you. And to think of you sitting at home alone or think of you sitting at home struggling and missing the season, and that's just more than I can take. So I want to just, while others are gathering around the table, I want to encourage you to come to one of these men or women of God. And just tell them what you're facing. Family's falling apart. You're, you're broke. Whatever's going on, just say, hey, this is, this is blocking my worship. And I want to adore God. We want to adore him, don't we? And I want to adore him, but this is really just cramping my worship style. And we're just going to ask God to do something. Because God can change the circumstances. God can change our hearts. See, God, a lot of ways God can handle this. And God can give you joy in the midst of the worst, the worst storm. When the, 
the disciples thought that they were going to drown, that there was no hope. Jesus was asleep. The storm didn't bother him. And so God can change your circumstances, or God can change your attitude. God can change your heart. God can change your outlook. He may not do a miracle in the situation you're facing. You may be walking through it, but you can walk through it with victory. You can walk through it with joy. You can walk through it with the power of God. Y'all believe that? Man, come on, church. That is the deal. So I I won't tell you. Man, listen. I'm going to pray in just a minute. You know, Christmas is, again, I love it. Part of Christmas, it's, it's, it's a huge part of the gospel. Because if Jesus would not have come perfect and born of a virgin, that there'd be no sacrifice for our sin. And the gospel hinders around Jesus coming and living a perfect life and then, and then giving himself on a cross to pay for our sins. And some of you have never had this revelation. You don't know Jesus. You know about him. You've maybe you've been to church, but you've never had this revelation of the incarnation. You've never had this revelation of Jesus in you. So with every head by every eye closed, if, if that's you, that man, what, what a Christmas present for you to be born again and for you to give your heart to Jesus. And what a present to you for Jesus to forgive you of all your sin and shame and guilt. Whoa, brand new. Hallelujah, man. What a deal. So if that's you, every, any, at, at just all of our campuses, just, hey, just pray this prayer with me. Church, just pray it out loud with them. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Give me a fresh start. Help me walk by faith. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave. And now let me rise to a new life. In Jesus' name. Now during just a minute, I'm going I'm to have one more prayer. And then we're going to open up for prayer time and for the Lord's Supper. And, and you do what you need to do. During this, this time of worship, there's a card in front of you. If you gave your heart to Jesus with me, fill that out. Or if you need something else, if you'll fill that out. Or about every seat, there's a, there's a volunteer thing for us to sign up to serve extra on our Christmas uh, production weekend and a couple weekends. We, we need you to, as we're going to add services. Listen, it's going to be a weekend that thousands of new people will be with us and we want to be ready, don't we, church? Because we want them to get what we've gotten. 32 years ago, I met Jesus. I hadn't gotten over it yet. And so let me, let me just one more thing. Man, if you're struggling, these folks love you. At every altar, at every campus, they love you and they want to pray for you. Holy God, would you help us drop our pride and just come to you, God, and confess that we're struggling? So God, we ask you to have your way. We ask you to move at every campus. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, let's stand as we worship. These guys are here to pray as we celebrate, as we sing, and make your way to the table of the Lord in one fell swoop. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being born. And thank you for his death. We serve a God who's worthy of worship. Amen. Come, let us adore him.